Hey friends, welcome back to the Modern Medusa podcast. My name is Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles and I am your host. Tonight we have a very interesting guest on our show. Um, I thought this would be a great opportunity to bring someone in who isn't actually a member of the herp community in the sense that a lot of my other guests have been, but she is the partner to someone who has a very large herp collection, specifically turtles, which we all know is the craziest of all the herp people. So I want to discuss from almost, I don't want to say an outsider, but more of a unique perspective of what it's like to kind of be thrust into the hobby as someone who maybe wasn't interested in it at the beginning and how her relationship with her husband has evolved as she's learn to love him and the turtles that come with him. So tonight our guest is Shannon Pierleoni. Hello, Shannon. Hi. How are you? You made me giggle throughout that whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I think I'm hilarious. Um, (laughs) I guess we'll see. (laughs) Uh, How are you doing today? I'm good. Really Good. good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. So I... We haven't officially met. This is our first time meeting, but I am familiar with your husband's work, Anthony Pierleoni, with the uh, the podcast, The Turtle Room. He does a lot of turtle-related work. And you two have a podcast together, <laughs> which I started listening to, and it cracks me up. So I was like, yeah, let's get Shannon on. Let's see what it's like to learn about loving someone who is crazy into these animals, because it is a totally yeah. different world. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we get too into that, tell me a little bit about yourself. So who, who is Shannon outside of her husband's turtles? So me now I'm primarily my, my main job is to be a mother to our two daughters. So we have a mm-hmm. six-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, we are, I'm currently homeschooling because of the pandemic but hope to, to hope to get them back into the school next year. Yeah. I feel like so I should I'm send you a bottle of wine school. and be like, Hey, thank yeah, you. It's, <laughs> it's been rough. Um, so that, and then I also work, I was a social worker for about 10 years. And then, um, I started working from home once my, my daughter got into school and I'm just doing medical billing now, which is just totally out of nowhere, but it just worked with our schedules for our kids for school. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have to rely on like before and after care or whatever. That's, that's really a majority of my life right now. Let's say like 15 years ago, (laughs) I was a, you know, like a totally different person, but I always say that, like, I always felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was always changing my major. I was always changing career paths. And until I actually became a mom, it was like, oh, okay. Now I know like what I was supposed to do in life. So I don't, that sounded really cheesy, but I, it no, really, I like it. Uh, <laughs> I think it really a- is like, that's it. I mean, that's my world right now. So yeah. And that's great. And talk about quality bonding time with the kids in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it's funny because like th- this to me is like a vacation because we spend every minute together right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like worried. I'm like setting them, you know, like Anthony is their father and he is involved in their lives. He mm-hmm. lives with us, but I'm like, okay, popcorn at this time, brush your teeth at this, like, cause I'm just so used to doing everything. So it's weird to like be on a podcast. Usually it's him telling me I'm on a turtle podcast this week. So it's yeah. kind of like a weird situation. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have you and, and you can tell him this podcast went six hours. If you just want to take a nap afterwards, <laughs> I won't, I won't tell him. Uh, <laughs> So when you were younger, so let's like back up. 
so tell me when you're growing up about your experience with like pets or animals, was that ever something you were exposed to at all? It's so funny. Cause I was thinking of it as I was like approaching today and I'm like it, the way I would describe myself as a child was a complete animal lover. Like mm-hmm. that's how people would describe me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always rescuing animals. Like I was thinking back and I hadn't thought about this in so long. There was a time I was at the beach with my family and I was kind of walking on my own and a kid threw a rock at a seagull and I was screaming at this kid. He was actually like way older than I was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like begging my family to help me like bring it somewhere, even though like we're in the middle of a huge party. And like, (laughs) that was who I was as a kid. I was Mm -hmm. always picking up dogs and calling the pound, even when I was like in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always described myself as an animal lover. I was like subscribed to dogs magazine as a kid. I would like (laughs) memorize all the different breeds and stuff like that. I would catch frogs. I don't think I ever like catched any snakes or anything, but like frogs didn't gross me out. Mm -hmm. Fluffy animals were more of like my thing. I had lots of hamsters, gerbils. Um, I had one dog growing up. Um, but if I, we went to family's house, every picture of me as a child is like me next to their dog. It's actually really weird. <laughs> like every picture, no matter what family member we were with, I was always next to their dog. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's the best person to talk to at the party. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I just, and, and now I don't describe myself. I don't know. I, I still think I'm an animal lover. It's just different because Anthony and Anthony are talking about it last night. Like he makes me think I'm not, mm-hmm. but I am. It's yeah. just that it's not necessarily reptiles that are my thing. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate them. Um, like I like our turtles and tortoises, but like this past weekend, he had to clean, um, one of his stock tanks and mm-hmm. like that kind of drew, like, I was like, I couldn't take the smell. Like it smelled yeah. like low tide and I just wanted to die. Uh, turtles are arguably the grossest reptile to keep. Yeah. They, there's a lot that goes into them that you, like a lot of times we talk about the, um, how reptiles make great first pets because of the ease of them. Like I keep mainly snakes and there's really not a lot of upkeep, but with turtles, it's a whole different ball game. And when you say you have turtles and tortoises to someone who doesn't know you or Anthony, can you please tell us what that means? So, uh, right now we have over 200, I believe, uh, Mm -hmm is what he said. Um, when we first met, it wasn't like that. Um, so kind of like going backward, if you would ask any of my friends, would this be my life today? Like in college, I, I started in college as fashion merchandising. I was prepared to be Elle Woods, um, from Legally Blonde. Like that was like my goal. Like either I want to be a wedding planner, like JLo or, a fashion merchant, <laughs> like it, yeah. it was just totally, <laughs> totally different from my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is all really unique to me and I didn't know the extent of it in the beginning. Um, I don't think anyone can be prepared for that mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it's weird. I mean, girl, like I said, I still consider myself an animal person every week. My daughter and I, we research an endangered 
species. Am I saying that right? Cause he always gives me a hard time about that. Oh, I'm not going to give you a hard time. Okay. Um, no, don't, don't even worry about it. <laughs> but like in our last podcast, we had talked about like, you know, today she wanted to look up, I don't, she was talking about lions. She wanted to learn about lions. And so we did a whole report on lions. And to mm-hmm. me, it's like, I'm so intrigued by the facts and everything. Sometimes with the reptile stuff, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, certain things are really interesting to me, but I also might just be, it's like a part of my life now. So it's mm-hmm. not as intriguing as an African lion per se. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really weird. It, I, I do consider myself an animal person, but not necessarily like a reptile person. Yeah. I, and I think that's, I think it'd be very hard for you not to be an animal person and be in the relationship you are. And I, um, I also think like listening to you talk, it's giving me perspective in the sense that like, I am obviously a reptile person. I'm a huge animal person and I can see how that can come across as diminishing other people who say they're animal people because I know more, (laughs) but it doesn't mean you're any less of an animal person. Yeah. But the thing is like, he wants me to focus on things that aren't mainstream. So like she had research. (laughs) I, I don't know, was sea lions or something like that a couple of weeks or dolphins. And he's like, well, she's going to learn about dolphins. Something about a pangolin. Is oh, that pangolins? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you should research that. And I'm like, why? And yeah. he's like, because, you know, they're not as mainstream. And I'm like, she likes dolphins. Like, let her research dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's too funny. Also, his thing is like, he doesn't want them to like the cute things and like mm-hmm. the mainstream things where I'm like, they're kids. They want to learn about dolphins. They don't want to necessarily learn about penguins. And it's hard because we also don't want to push it onto the kids either. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like, I want them to like whatever they like. So if they like snakes, great. If they don't, that's okay too. You know, Mm -hmm. like I don't want them to feel like they have to like anything in Mm -hmm. life, you know? So that's, that's a difficult part of like parenting when you have this hobby is not pushing it on them too much. Like just like any hobby, I guess, for people. Right. And that was a, something I wanted to discuss with you. And how do you see your kids interacting with your animals and, and with this huge collection? the six-year-old specifically is probably just reaching that age where she can like do things more independently and and help out more. Is that something she expresses any interest in? So our six-year-old is a little bit more on the girlier side. Mm -hmm. Um, Anthony Anthony was just saying this weekend, like, I swear I don't have any DNA because she, she's very much like me in a lot of different ways, but I will say she likes them, but she doesn't like to get her hands dirty um, as much as our younger one does. Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny because I think it could go either way. I I think that they like them. I think they appreciate them. Uh, Cambria likes sea turtles a lot. Mm -hmm. We obviously don't have sea turtles, but. I mean, you 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 could try. No. (laughs) Yeah. She like, you know, like we've, we had done, um, something through the aquarium and she was super intrigued about sea turtles. And I totally understand why I'm the same way about them. Like mm-hmm. I find them more fascinating than the turtles, even though I know the turtles in our yard are super special or mm-hmm. they mean a lot to Anthony. Like I'll just see a loggerhead and I'm like, Oh, there's just something about that. turtle. <laughs> so she, she, she does have, like, she appreciates that much. Like I said, she doesn't like to get her hands too dirty and I think it could go either way. And I worry about this with the kids because they'll sometimes make comments about like, oh, he's down with the turtles again, or he's Mm -hmm. doing another podcast. So I always worry, like, is there going to be like a resentful factor too, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that could 
again, with any hobby could come into play. So it's interesting to see how it will play out. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, well, and it's, it's very interesting because I, I know this is something you guys have discussed on Turtley Devoted. And I did speak with Anthony briefly before you came on because I just wanted to know from his perspective if he thought there were any things that we should cover. But Anthony keeps a very interesting collection of turtles it's not just a turtle anyone can get he's working very hard with endangered species is that correct yeah so that was actually a conversation he and i had had i think we had mentioned it on one of the turtley devoteds when i first met him he had a lot of um morphs i think they Mm -hmm. were albino something Mm -hmm. yeah so a morph is like a color variation yeah so I remember he had a bunch and we were talking one night and he had a couple of his friends over and I'm like, you know, you keep talking about this readier slider problem and how they're going extinct and all these things. And I'm like, and you have these morphs and I'm like, why not do something like with endangered species so that like you're helping, helping with that. Mm -hmm. And that was when he started like connecting with zoos. Um, We don't have any of those morph things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, we don't have any more of those that I'm aware of. Um, but like, for example, I really appreciate the spider tortoises. Those mm-hmm. I think are with the Knoxville zoo. Um, I like them cause they're tortoises. I like them cause they stay small. Yeah. Um, so I don't like a lot of like the bigger aquatic stuff. It just doesn't do anything for me. And I always mm-hmm. feel bad because he'll always be like, look how beautiful this one. And to me, it's like, it's a black turtle. I anything beautiful about it I'm happy you like it but Mm -hmm. I don't know so it's certain it's like you showing him like a pair of like Jimmy Choo's and being like aren't they gorgeous and he's like well it's it's black shoes you know like exactly if it's not what you're into it's hard to convey that passion to someone else yeah I I really I mean I I do I really appreciate certain things like he loves the Asian Japonica and Spangler Eye stuff he wrote a book on them Mm -hmm. I think they're cool looking but again they're not I I love his leopard tortoises like they couldn't be a more common type of tortoise they ended Mm -hmm. up on in our lap and it was like accident and we were supposed to get rid of it and rehome it and I like fell in love with this leopard tortoise that we named yeah So Lenny, Um, he's the one who escaped a couple months ago. Is that correct? Yeah, we had some, we had some escapee issues over the summer. (laughs) It was like, it was really awful. Our neighbors must just think we're totally crazy. Um, (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. Like a a couple of our neighbors ended up finding it. We got really, really lucky because one of them, um, we call him little Dicky. I forget what his actual name is, but he's just a <laughs> jerk. Um, he kept escaping because um, he's really, really tiny. Um, I basically told Anthony this summer, if any of them get out, I'm like, they're out and we're not looking for them. <laughs> I'm like, they're lost and that's it. Um, no, but we're talking about actually like making a pen for them and everything this summer because I am like, I, I have like post-traumatic stress from last summer with those leopard tortoises. Yeah, they were... They tortoises are slow animals, but surprisingly sneaky. And I love that's something that's really weird too. For some reason, I love the tortoises. Like, Mm -hmm. like I like I said, I love the spider tortoises. Um, Anthony has star tortoises, and they have to me more of like a personality. So, like, there's something more intriguing about that to me. You know, when I go look in the pond, the turtles are scattering to get in the water, so I can barely see them for two seconds. And then like, 
with snakes and stuff like that, I'm just not like educated on it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what's a beautiful like snake or what's a beautiful iguana or any of those kind of things. I'm just, I don't know. Now with Anthony, with the turtles, I get it. Mm -hmm. But like I said, sometimes I just don't even see it. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I get that. And I think it's interesting how you talk about how you find that you like have certain tortoises that you like more, like Lenny, for example. Is there something about him in particular that like drew you to him? Or is he one of those animals that has kind of kept you more interested in what Anthony does? I don't think he's kept me more interested. Um, Anthony and I had hit like a breaking point, probably when I was pregnant with our second daughter, where the turtle stuff was blowing up for him. Mm -hmm. I was becoming more resentful because I was raising our older daughter and about to have a second daughter and everything was just really icky. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, if I don't get on board with this, it's going to go sour. (laughs) And um, I remember saying I had set money aside and we bought, oh, we bought a certain type of tortoise. Um, oh, it's so bad of me. I don't even remember what kind it was. Um, but we drove to New Jersey. We picked it up together. We made like a date out of it. Um, maybe marginated. I don't know. No, that's not right. Anyway, um, that was kind of like what turned it around for me because I like tortoises. I didn't particularly love those ones, but I mm-hmm. like tortoises. Lenny was a, like someone was getting rid of it and Anthony was going to rehome it. And so it was in our yard at our old house and Mm -hmm. he would come up to me like in the backyard and just be there and let me feed him romaine from my hands. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, like Anthony always said, I'll never have a pet turtle or tortoise. And then we did, we got Lenny. And then it was like, there was no turning back. Yeah. And he's your pet now. Yeah. So it's not like he really helped me. The other tortoises that we bought, we don't have them any longer. Um, Mm -hmm. we had to get rid of them when we were moving, but those really were like what helped us kind of like get on the same page with stuff because it, it becomes overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. I have anxiety in general. And when he would like say like, Oh, well, somebody wants to get rid of this turtle. And I'd be like counting in my head, like, okay, we have 70. That means that's going to be 73. And Finally, I just stopped keeping count. I stopped mm-hmm. asking mm-hmm. and I just let him do his thing. Cause I'm like, yeah. okay, if I try to control this issue, it's not going to end well. So, right. Okay. So um, let's, let's back up. Sure. Because I want to talk about how you got to 200 tortoises. Okay. So you let's go back to like, you're in college. You, you got your degree in social work. Is that correct? So I actually got my degree in biology. Nice. I was going to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it was taking me forever. Cause I had changed my major from fashion merchandising to education, thinking about doing special ed. And then you had to have a minor in something. So I chose science. Cause I always liked science as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so my last year at college, I did an internship at the Boston medical center and I worked in the lab there. I actually mm-hmm. got kicked out of the lab where the mice were because I was feeding them because I felt awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work well with studies. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, one of the doctors is like, you can't come in this room anymore. Um, which I totally respected. I understood. So I kind of started, I was like more in the science aspect there. And then I, I switched <laughs> when I got out of college, I got offered a job at a YMCA because I had been working there throughout growing up. So I started mm-hmm. running a lot of kids programs. I did that for like about five years. 
then became a social worker and then started doing what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, Anthony and I met when we were both social workers. So mm-hmm. 10 or 11 years ago, um, we had a mutual client and we met and it was funny because one of his clients did mention the first night I, I met him because we were all at this job fair. Did you tell her about her, your turtles? And he kind of <laughs> shushed her. Yeah, that's like a common thing when you're trying to date as someone who has reptiles, kind of like, a, when do we bring this up? Yeah. So I kind of got a hint of it. And Anthony like was still living with his parents at the time. He had these like, he had like blue sponge painted walls because his family like never <laughs> changed his room color and he didn't care. And he had a couple turtles when I met mm-hmm. him. Cause he lived in a small little bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got our house. Things started to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, eventually I just stopped asking because mm-hmm. I, I, I just didn't see the point. Like if you're over 50, you're over 50 at that point. So you're pot committed. I mean, it yeah. doesn't make if it's 200 or a hundred my biggest thing for Anthony is when I tell him, I think he should downsize. It's not for selfish reasons at all. Before it used to be, it would be like, Hey, we're kind of tight on money. Like, is there something we could maybe sell or mm-hmm. we're about to have a second kid? Like, but now it's more of his time. Mm-hmm. I, my biggest thing for him is I always tell him, focus on what really makes you happy. Cause he'll get things through deals or someone gives him something, but like, I hate to see him not be able to focus on what he loves because he's busy cleaning a tank that doesn't really matter to him as much. Mm-hmm. So that would be my only reason now for him to downsize. It's just, it's a lot to tend to all those animals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like this is his career where he works and he's here all day. He works full time mm-hmm. and more <laughs> at his other job. And I just don't want this to feel like a job to him. I want it to be something he enjoys. So Sometimes I always like kind of, well, every maybe like six months, I'll be like, what do we have? Yeah. (laughs) Do inventory. Yeah. Because I think it's important for him to not hold on to stuff just because, Mm -hmm. you know, but before I definitely did it for selfish reasons. It was like, we, we have too many turtles, like Mm -hmm. we need to downsize, but now Mm -hmm. I don't care. I just want him to be happy. So when we're talking about like someone who is has a partner who maybe isn't in the hobby. What was it that for you, where did you, why were you kind of like, we have too many or this is too many or, or I don't necessarily like the direction this is heading. What was it about his hobby at that point that was kind of driving those feelings? Well, what's hard is that Anthony wants to excel in the turtle world. You know, he wants to be well-known throughout that. Mm -hmm. He also wants that for his career. So when you have those two things, it makes it really challenging. When he had lost his job years ago, I said, just get a job. Like his, his stepdad works at like this warehouse, this big manufacturing company. And Anthony could have made great money working there. I'm like, you go to work, you come home and that's it. You don't have to worry about anything. And he's like, I don't want that, Mm -hmm. which I can totally understand. But then it was like, my idea was then you could focus all your time on the turtles when you're not at work. So now with his job, he's emailing, he's texting, he has to go in late. He has to work late. Like I just want him to be happy ultimately. And 
it's, it's hard when he has both of those things going. So what happens is I become overwhelmed because it's like, work's really important. The turtle stuff's really important. Okay. What about us? Like we're here too. And we, we need our time too. Mm -hmm. So that can be frustrating. And that, that was a source of issue in the past. And we lived in a really small house prior to this house. Not that we live in a mansion now, but we, Mm -hmm. you got that turtle money, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We, um, we lived in a small ranch and the basement when we bought the house was supposed to be like this. Everyone who came in was like, this is going to be the perfect playroom. Well, it turned into our turtle room. Mm -hmm. So we were basically living in an apartment. If you looked at the square footage wise of our house, because the whole basement was for the turtles. Mm-hmm. So that meant the smell of the turtles was coming throughout the house. If he didn't have time to clean something, I had to walk down there to go to the laundry room. Mm-hmm. We had a cockroach issue infestation. Yeah. Here. Oh gosh. <laughs> I would just start to see a lot of different tanks and it would become overwhelming to me in, for a while. And mm-hmm. then as podcasts started picking up and uh, like he would go do talks or there'd be surveys in the wild and everything was adding up and it just was feeling like, okay, where do I fit in into this? Mm-hmm. So I think we've gotten to a point where we compromise a lot. You know, I think he, he shuts down a lot of things he's asked to do, especially given the pandemic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also really, I try to be more, I try to be more open to some of his stuff now too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's just a compromise. It's like, it's like any type of marriage. There's, there's a compromise in some way or another, but there, there were points and there are times now where I feel overwhelmed by the number we have just because like I said, it's a lot for him to handle. It's not, I'm not a reptile person. So I, I'm not saying to him, Hey, what do you need me to do? Other than who do you need me to feed? I'll go throw romaine in here and there. Go mm-hmm. If he's super busy, I'll go clean up the food from the day prior. Mm-hmm. But I'm not hands-on enough to be helping him clean tanks and set up substrates and like different things like that. So it all falls on him. Mm-hmm. So that's hard. So when you were first dating um, and you said he didn't have as many turtles and tortoises. He obviously had some, but it wasn't the same level. Um, What was that like for you to kind of watch him grow in that regard? And how did you, as like a potential life partner, (laughs) like see that? Was that something that you were concerned about or you were like trying to be excited by and trying to get interested in for him? Well, when we first started dating, he had asked me to go to a reptile show. Mm-hmm. This was like probably within the first month we were dating. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what a reptile show was other than like, okay, reptile show, how difficult. Yeah. Could it be? <laughs> and then it was like, I had like gone to like a fancy store the day before to buy like a fancy outfit and mm-hmm. bought like this scarf. And then I got there and I'm like, okay, like this is not <laughs> what I was picturing no. and no, no offense to like reptile people, but it's just, it, it's a different lifestyle that I've ever been around. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had ex-boyfriends who've played baseball or one guy, like his hobby was like yachting and stuff. Like that. Yeah, so it's just a little different, <laughs> a little, little different mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. taking a yacht to watch Hill over the summer, but that's okay. Um, and so in the beginning, it didn't bother me. I had fun at the reptile show. It's great people watching, um, mm-hmm. you know, like it, 
it still doesn't bother me. I still enjoy doing those things, but, um, watching him grow was hard initially because I just didn't know where it was going. And we were starting a life together. We were starting a family together and it was like, how is this all going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was scared as things started to progress. I wish I had probably been more supportive and embraced it a little bit better, but it was hard. He was constantly texting on the phone and dealing with, uh, back then he did a lot of like the forums and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it was just constant. It was always, always there. And it just felt like we never got a break from it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when they were in the house, it was the same way. Like they were always there and there, there still is always something that needs to be done. Always pens that need to be fixed, but I just try to embrace it now. Like it's springtime. It's his busy season, as he calls it this weekend to get the pens ready. What do you, what do you need to do? Mm-hmm. So typically like on the weekend now it's like, okay, what day do you need for turtles? Do you need Saturday or Sunday? And he'll give a good five hours to the animals. Mm-hmm. And then the other day he kind of knows is kind of for us, you know, like mm-hmm. what do we need to do as a family? Is there stuff around the house that we need to do? Yeah. I think it's, I think you just have to embrace it. Otherwise it's just hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do. It's, it's a weird thing to explain to people. That's, you know? I was going to be my next question. So yeah. that was what I was going to ask next. So I think it's, it can be different because for a lot of people who keep animals themselves, like your friends and family see your collection grow and see you kind of evolve into having like a, a lot of animals or really being into the hobby. Whereas your friends and family kind of all of a sudden had this crazy turtle guy (laughs) in their lives. What was that conversation like? It's, it's still weird to this day. I, 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 I'm very open about my mental health struggles. I had therapy today, a virtual therapy. Yes. And my therapist first comment was, did your husband see that article in the paper about the turtles? And it's just like, (laughs) even after 10 years, you're just like, Oh, like that's just, it's not right. Like, um, Yeah. And I think given my circumstances, like the fact that I was an animal lover, but I wasn't a reptile person per se. And I was more of, I don't, I don't even know how I would describe myself. It just wasn't that. So Mm -hmm. it is, it, it's always weird for people when they first hear it. But now that we have friends that have children everyone's like our, our, one of my good, really good friends, um, through college, he has two sons and Mm -hmm. all he keeps texting me is I can't wait to get the boys to your house after this pandemic. They're going to go crazy when they see all the turtles and tortoises. So Mm -hmm. now that that's happening, it's fun. Um, I've started to do talks, So I have the education background. So like this week I did a talk for our, our older daughter's girl scout troop. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, Anthony kind of sets it up. And, um, I have to be brave. Like one of them peed all over, like, as I was holding it (laughs) last week and I tried so hard to put on this brave face. Like if they hadn't been on, I probably would have screamed bloody murder, but I was like, okay, he just peed. It's okay. Like trying to be cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's weird. I, my, my parents have embraced it. Like my dad will cut out articles from the paper or he took some of our turtles and tortoises when we were moving and like, let Anthony keep them in the garage. Um, it's, you know, everybody's got weird stuff. 
everybody, right. you right. know? And so I, th- I think it's like, I don't know. I, you just get used to it. It's just a weird thing. And, and it's, it's a good conversation starter at like when he meets people, you know, like, Oh, mm-hmm. we have 200 turtles. So yeah. how did that happen? <laughs> like, so just woke uh, up one day. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't know. I have to be honest and I feel so bad because I know you're a snake person, but like, had he been a snake guy, I don't know if I could have handled yeah, that. I, there's no shame in that. And I, I totally understand. And I, I think that's, yes, that is true because turtles and tortoises are also often the most, um, acceptable, mm-hmm. you know, reptile because they're always like, the friend in the, um, comics or, you know, like Teenage yep. Mutant Ninja Turtles, or what is that one turtle who talks really slow? He's on Nickelodeon. It doesn't matter. It's, oh, I know. I don't, I you know, know who I'm talking about. Yeah, he stands yeah. on two legs, got glasses, I think. Well, yes. the turtle's always the friend in that regard, whereas the snakes are always seen as like, you know, symbolic of the devil and, and all that stuff. So it's, you know, we're kind of coming from a rough angle when it comes to that. <laughs> It's funny though. I never looked at it that way until Anthony had interviewed, oh, I always get all their names, Tom Crutchfield. Yes. Um, and I really, I don't remember one, but this was when I started to get back into the hobby with him a little bit more. And I was like, I really mm-hmm. want to go. And did you go down to his farm? No, he actually, his wife lives in Connecticut. Oh, so okay. somehow they got wind that they were going to be here. And Anthony was able to interview him. And he Mm -hmm. was the one who made the point about snakes. They're not the cute, cuddly animal. And it was Mm -hmm. like, oh man, like I never looked at it that way. Like, Mm -hmm. and so my thing with the girls with snakes is I try to appreciate them from afar. I don't mind like last, a couple weeks ago, they found one in the yard and the girls wanted to look at it and touch it. Like I'm totally okay with them doing that, but, um, I'm just not educated on them is the issue. Yeah. And that's, that's what I say about every animal. Like, I don't know enough about like Anthony one year had me hold about a ball Python and he's like, these, these snakes never bite. Well, the thing tried to bite me mm-hmm. and he was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a ball python do that. I'm <laughs> like, well, that's the last time I'm holding one of those. So mm-hmm. like I said, I just, I get very tense around them and nervous. Um, I'm like that with a lot of different things though. Like I'm the same way with spiders, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, that's just how I, how I am, but I don't mind being in a reptile show surrounded by snakes. Right. Like that doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. It's just, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, we all have our preferences. I've said it before on the podcast, but I'm afraid of earthworms. That's so funny. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it, but you know, it's like, we all have things that, and maybe if I was more educated on earthworms, I would appreciate them more, but no, just, I don't want to spend the time educating myself on earthworms. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and that's how I feel sometimes with the turtles and tortoises, like, there's certain ones where I'm like really interested in them. And then like, you know, like, I don't know the Japonica to me, they're the think Those are the ones with the allies. I should know this. Cause this is mm-hmm. like his expertise, but that's cool to me. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't, I don't see what he sees in them, but I'm happy that he likes them. And I can yeah. <laughs> appreciate that from afar, but I, I, it's just, I don't know. I like the ones that have the good personalities and a lot of the ones that he have, I, I hope I'm using the right terminology. They stay like dormant during the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't really see them as much anyway. Um, I like the ones that are active, like his star tortoises. They are so funny. Like they basically come charging after me for lettuce and mm-hmm. 
um, I just like that they have that little personality piece about them. Yeah. So do you have any larger species of tortoises or are you mostly working with the smaller ones? No, we, we, so the ones that we had bought from that summer from Chris, gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting their names, but they were a little bit on the medium sized end. And then Anthony also had forced and I shoot, I hope I'm saying that right too. I don't know Um, those. So I'm, I'm not going to correct you. Yeah. We had those one year and they were like super aggressive. There was mm-hmm. blood. It was like a bloodbath in our backyard. Like oh, they wow. were the pen and the girls and I would be in the backyard and we hear them just ramming into each other. Mm. And then one of them would be bleeding. And I remember saying, I'd be like, these have to go. Like yeah. I'm all set with them. But in new England, it's hard to keep big things because you need the space for them. And right. we, you know, um, we just don't have, the space to keep them warm in the winter is the problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially when their whole basement is full of other turtles. Yeah. So our house, the way it worked was it's, they added on, um, those like doors that go into the basement. What oh, the, the cellar doors. Yeah. So there's like a, a separate area in the backyard where the cellar doors open and he has like his own little room down there. <laughs> um, and it worked out. That's hilarious. <laughs> Because when we first looked in the inside of the house, he's like, this isn't going to work. There's no area for the turtles. And I was super bummed because I'm like, well, I kind of like this house. And then Mm -hmm. we went in the backyard and I was like, oh my gosh, like, wait a second. There's like a bonus room that's not in the house. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's where he keeps him now. And then he has a couple pens and a pond set up and he works stuff out in the winter. Like one of his friends takes some of the leopards during the winter that has the space. So Mm -hmm. um, it all works out. I mm-hmm. wish we could have bigger stuff, but it just up here. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. It's very difficult. I'm in Ohio and not Indiana. Cause I had a lot of Indiana. Hate. I'm one of the totally <laughs> devoted. Um, I mean, I don't like Indiana either. So sorry to the <laughs> no. two Indiana listeners, but uh, <laughs> we have, I work with a rescue and we have a large sulcata tortoise, which is one of those, you know, very large desert species. Mm-hmm. And during the winter, it sucks because he's in the basement and like they're destructive and we have to pen him. And you're like, it's definitely like better when he's outside as soon as springtime comes around. So Uh, that was one of the things I hated in our old house was when we had the tortoises in our basement, it was like, it's not animal abuse, but it's like, it feel like to, for a, like as an uneducated turtle person, mm-hmm. like where you're trying to make them dormant and you're trying to make them sleep. To me, it's like, they don't have enough space. They're pooping mm-hmm. on each other. This isn't right, you know, but right. now, like, you know, but that's, what's so good about Anthony teaching me stuff. Like, no, this is, you know, they have to cool down or whatever, but to like an outsider, I would never know that. I would mm-hmm. just think this tortoise that comes from Africa all year round needs to be whatever. So, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about totally devoted. I was listening earlier today cause I was doing my homework, um, <laughs> just listening to all the episodes I'd missed. Um, but you did bring up a good point that it is hard for someone who doesn't have the education or the experience with the animals to like, look at your exhibit or your enclosure and not be concerned. Cause I think I keep, um, I have a rack system for my snakes. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Yep. He has a couple snake racks, not with snakes, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, I remember the first time I saw it and I was like, Oh, that's, that's so bad. But you know, you learn more about the species you keep in it. And then I went and volunteered at a zoo where we used rack systems and, and it's, 
I just will say, I want everyone to listen to your podcast because I think the conversations you have about those kinds of things are very enlightening and both for me as a keeper. And then for anyone else who is potentially like dating or with, with a keeper, but isn't necessarily into it themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel at the zoo. I think I talked about on one of the podcasts, we had gone to the zoo and this, this tiger was pacing Mm -hmm. and I was like, my heart was like breaking. I'm like, look at this thing. It's so unhappy. It's pacing around. It's anxious. I have no idea what that means. I'm not a tiger expert. It could mean it's happier than any tiger in the zoo. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. And, and I hate seeing his, his stuff, like the bigger turtles, in the, like some of the tanks, because it makes me feel uptight. But again, like, I know, I know Anthony's doing everything to his best ability because Mm -hmm. he loves them so much. And like you with the snake racks, like, and stuff, I'm sure it's like, you know, exactly what you're doing. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I've, I've again, learned to embrace that too, you know? So I, I trust what he's doing down there. I don't ever not trust him, but I'll just look at something and like ask him. And then he just tells me what it is. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's a whole different world. Yeah. You know, and and I think going back to the zoo thing too, it's fascinating because, you know, zoos are very focused on conservation and uh, repopulating endangered species and stuff, which is very similar to what Anthony's doing. Like he works mm-hmm. with a lot of endangered species and he does work with zoos and aquariums to help out in that regard. And it's can sometimes come, I believe, at a cost of perpetuating the species and getting more animals out of it but having to have more species available to do it. So maybe cutting down on size or, you know, not necessarily cutting corners, but like doing the acceptable minimum, but knowing that it's still acceptable. Right. It's really Mm -hmm. hard. It's really Mm -hmm. hard. And that's Mm -hmm. why I like the smaller stuff. Like the spider tortoises, they have a huge tank, not tank, but, um, I don't know what they're called. I think they're called stock tanks, but it's not with water. It's Mm -hmm. just dry, but they, um, they have tons of space because they're so little. So I love those like smaller stuff that to me appeases my mind and whatever mm-hmm. I have going on. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, I know he's doing the right thing. I know a lot of times people are like, oh, well, your cat can roam the whole house. Why can't your, your lizard? And I'm like, well, he needs his heat. He needs his water. He needs yada, right. yada, yada. Do you ever, um, did you have to get over a hump in that regard of, of viewing these as like a totally different animal than like your dog growing up yeah yeah definitely because I feel that way about the tortoises now like you know I loved that they were able to roam the backyard last year but I know I said to Anthony like this week it's not the right thing to do because they're Mm -hmm. getting loose and Mm -hmm. they because we have a chain link fence so they can see out and so they're trying to get out so it's not their fault um and they're super good at digging and are able to get through all these little booby traps or whatever. But, um, that's why I say, I think we need to do a pen. And then if we're in the yard, let's let them roam. But mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want to do the wrong thing for them. I don't want them to keep getting out. And, you know, like on a cold night where we wanted to take them in now they're somewhere in the neighborhood again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time, like, as like getting that attachment, like, mm-hmm. so Lenny's really, really been the only one. And I don't, I couldn't tell you why other than he's just super sweet. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not me because the kids really are in love with him too. Mm-hmm. So there's something about this tortoise. He's super animated. 
he, you know, he could be at the other end of the yard and he will see us come. And he just comes like right over to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always get bummed. Anthony lost the person's name who got rid of him. And mm-hmm. he said like, they loved this tourist. And I just wish he could, they would know like your tortoise is in a great home and yeah. he's so loved. And, <laughs> um, Anthony, I always talk about that. He's like, I had the guy's number and I lost it. I don't know. Lenny was just like this little blessing. He just mm-hmm. was I remember when Anthony told me he was taking it home, I was so pissed. I'm like, this was like when I was in the hatred stage and I'm like, what the hell? We're getting another tortoise. Like, where are we going to put that? And he's like, no, I promise I'm going to rehome it. And then I like fell in love with him. So it was a a treat for everybody, I guess. No, I think that's great. So then moving away from like the actual tortoises you have right now, but I want to know, we discussed how your relationship with like, you know, your parents being supportive of what Anthony does and everything. Have you been able to find friends in the hobby at all? A lot of, um, wives. Mm-hmm. So, um, we interviewed one Kevin Minto's wife, Amanda. She's very much like I am mm-hmm. K- Casey Leone, Chris Leone's wife from garden state tortoise. She's a great fan, but she's, she's a hurt person. Mm-hmm. So, um, she doesn't get the same frustrations as someone like myself or Amanda would. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple people from the turtle room. I really, really like one of Anthony's friends, Charlie Moorcroft, who lives in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish he was my best friend. He doesn't text me back ever, but <laughs> I text him constantly. Yeah, call him out. Text her back. Oh. Come on. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just like, I, I love him as a person and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I just want to be, I just want us to be best friends. Like, why are we not best friends? Right. Um, so I've also noticed though, there's a part, which I never realized, like there is a lot of shadiness that goes on in the reptile world. Mm-hmm. A lot of like talking behind people's backs and just shady things in regards to animals, like people who are saying they're all about conservation, but then they aren't doing the right thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really interesting to me. Like Anthony will come home and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm like turtle gossip. Like I get so <laughs> excited about it. Like, yeah, I don't even know who the people are. And he'll be like, Oh, this person just got arrested. I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. And I think that's part of the reason that, um, reptile keepers have a bit of a bad rap, you know, is, yeah, is there's, really there's some not great people. And unfortunately, you know, you, you discussed the, uh, the egg smuggling, you look at the, uh, news articles that come out of people getting bit by venomous snakes. There's not a lot of positive press coverage of reptile keepers. Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. it's really too bad because even at the reptile shows, as much as I love them, sometimes when I, and I know that they're trying to make sales and stuff, but sometimes when I see these little tiny tugs, these animals that like, we talked about that before with Anthony's stuff, but like at the reptile shows, it breaks my heart. Like Mm -hmm. I hate that part of the reptile shows where like, I feel like I'm sure they're being taken care of well at home, but like, to me, it's just like, Oh, I don't want them to be a tiny little like Petri dish. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that can be difficult. Uh, Yeah. That can be difficult even for me you know, you see it and you're like, shit, I wish you could have something better, but it's also like, you know, you got 200 snakes to sell and your table's only 10 feet. Totally. Long. And it's their, like their being. Let me ask mm-hmm. you this. And I've never yeah. even asked Anthony this about snakes. So like, we'll be at the reptile shows and people will have the little sack with their snake that they just bought over yes. the back. Like, is that the right thing to do? Like so when you put like a snake in a snake bag, 
that's totally fine. That is like an appropriate way to transport it. Me personally, I always support the snake. So it kind of feels like it's not I think flopping when they around. have them like on their back. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do. I do know what you're talking about. I don't necessarily love that. I it's, it's interesting though. And I, I wonder if Anthony is the same way, but as I've gotten more serious into the hobby, I go to reptile shows less to buy animals and more to get supplies. So my animals are very selectively chosen, you know, by breeders and they're shipped to me and, and, and those kinds of things, which yeah, I personally prefer because I feel like I can build a better relationship with the, the breeder. And then also I know a lot more about the animal that I'm getting rather than a 15 minute conversation at the show. But, you know, reptile shows are, are very much the basis of the hobby. That's where people get together and, and talk shop. And I think one of the, one of my favorite things about reptile shows, and this is something I have figured out, having gotten more into the hobby, especially, you know, when you go to a show like Daytona or Tinley is yeah, there's the animals that are being bought and sold at the show. And then there's all the talk going on before, after, and during of what's going to be like, yeah, it's very much a a community-based event. Yeah. I mean, we had, we went to Daytona when we were dating. Um, It was a horrible experience just because Anthony had an impacted wisdom tooth. Um, Oh God. (laughs) So he was like drugged the whole weekend and he had like drool coming down. Oh, wow. Wow. I really enjoyed the night of the turtle talks. See, like mm-hmm. that to me is what get, like I enjoy that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't enjoy the schmoozing of the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't be, one because I don't know the terminology and I'm not as educated as everyone else. I mean, I could keep up with a conversation, but I don't know. It's it, it's just not necessarily like my idea of a good time. I also am like totally introverted. So like, I don't want to go even out with my family to dinner. So like, yeah, yeah get alone, like 35 strangers. Um, yeah. And they're all talking about species right, that you don't right. really care about. Yeah. But what's funny is that every time Anthony is excited to meet someone. So like we went to meet Peter Pritchard, um, mm-hmm. before he passed away and Anthony was so excited. I was like, I just wanted to get to our hotel and go swimming, <laughs> but like, I'm like, okay, this is important to him. I have to do it. Peter did not talk to Anthony the entire time. He brought me into his home to show me his magnets on his refrigerator, <laughs> like showing me all the different things that he's bought, like around like the world. And Anthony was like, you know, looking at all the turtles and horses, but like, we joked about it after, like for some reason the it seems to me, and I don't mean to like seem overly confident, but a lot of the times like Tom Crutchfield, like all these people that he's really interested in, like being a part of their lives, they mm-hmm. always take to me more. <laughs> Poor Anthony. I know. Well, it doesn't help um, that he's like eight feet tall and kind of like terrifying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that happens to us at the grocery store too. Like he can't wait to talk to someone and I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, <laughs> I want to get in and out. And then before I know it, the cashier is telling me her life story and I'm like, yeah. God, like, please. It's just like the dog always goes up to the person who's allergic. Like they just know. Yeah. (laughs) So that, like I said, the the Daytona, the turtle talk was so much fun, but, um, I don't remember like some of the other stuff. Like there was a day we went to some guy's house and that to me, I was bored stiff because (laughs) one, 
all of the significant others were really into reptiles too. And I showed up with like a fedora hat and like jewel encrusted flip-flops. And <laughs> I just felt totally out of place. Mm-hmm. And um, I had like no one to talk to really mm-hmm. at, at that one. Um, but again, like, I don't know. I think it just, it depends on the circumstances. So what was nice, and I would recommend this for people, like if, what we would do for reptile shows before we had kids was we'd make a weekend out of it. So we'd stay at a hotel, we'd get dinner the night before, then we do the reptile show, then we do something mm-hmm. fun after so that it wasn't always reptile based. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest, um, issues that he and I butted heads on. So when he wants to go to Florida, he wants to be turtle, 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 because like, right. there's so <laughs> stuff going on down in Florida. Yeah my family all lives in Florida that I never get to see. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we've butted heads when we've gone down there, like, okay, so now we kind of prioritize, prioritize the week. So, okay. One day you're going to do something reptiles related, related by yourself. The next day you'll be with us as a family. The next day we'll all go do something as a, as a family reptile based. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of have to break it up that way now because mm-hmm. otherwise, like when we did that year at Daytona, I was just miserable because it was, reptile galore. And I was just not as into yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have obviously done a good job of getting as into it as you possibly probably will ever be, but there's I think too, maybe when our kids are older and mm-hmm. when, when they have lives, <laughs> yeah, I'm screwed. Like they are my life. I am, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for Anthony and my future of turtles, like getting back to going to turtle shows together, like a day or, um, going like on a trip with him somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. I know he's always wanted to go to like Galapagos islands. Like I'm excited for our, our future when the kids are older and they don't like us anymore. I want to be, yeah. <laughs> like, be able to do stuff together because mm-hmm. we do enjoy it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I want to get into in just a moment, um, I'm going to tell you a story of a famous herpetologist because you like research and this would be a fun thing we can talk about, Mm -hmm. but what advice do you have to someone who is maybe, you know, with a partner who is really into reptiles and they're not like, what would you say to them to like, you know, advice you give them. And then also advice that you would have necessarily given Anthony at the beginning of dating you, who's not a reptile person. So I think it's important. Like I've said, like the best word to describe it is you have to embrace it because Mm -hmm. the more you resist it, the worse it feels in your head, Mm -hmm. you know? So like when I was counting the amount of turtles, that was my resisting. And that was me making it worse in my own head. Mm -hmm. Again, what difference does it make if it's 150 or 200 to me? It doesn't, I'm not, you know, so I've learned to to, and try to be a part of it. So for the turtle room, I send out thank you donation letters. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been on a couple of the podcasts. One of my, one of my college friends was on, um, this past year. So I was like one of the hosts. Um, Mm -hmm. so I try to be involved to a certain level. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be probably a turtle wife. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not Casey Leone where that's my life too. Mm -hmm. And I've had to myself learn to accept that because you start to think about your own shortcomings. Am I good enough for this person? Are they going to leave me for a turtle person? But 
I've just learned, you know, to, to try to be a part of it, ask him questions, you know, like, how's everything going? Did those eggs hatch? How are those eggs looking? Like to try to be more mindful in just making him feel comfortable because what I was doing to him for a long time was making him feel uncomfortable about talking about things. Mm -hmm. And so now I want him to feel, be able to feel comfortable to tell me. And then, you know, I think it, what for people who are the reptile person is you have to be mindful of the people who aren't. So Anthony has to be mindful of the smells or the Mm -hmm. bugs, or Mm -hmm. um, he has to be able to make, especially if they are in the house, you have to make that person feel comfortable, you Mm -hmm. know, like I'm comfortable with them, but I'm not comfortable with cockroaches. I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, So I think it's a matter of making that other, like, you know, you want to go, go for a turtle getaway or, a, a like a T a T what are the, the TTPG conference or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Anthony's wanted to do a lot of those things, but like for a while they were like a week. I'm like, okay, the compromises you go for three days because we have right. a family. This isn't work related. He travels for work too. So it's like, where can we compromise in this situation? Like, mm-hmm. I want you to be a part of it. I don't want you to miss it, but I can't have you away from us for a week. It's too much for me to handle. Right. So, so when he is gone on those trips and stuff, what is your interaction like with the animals? Um, t- typically I've, he's given me like a list of certain mm-hmm. things. So a list of um, who needs to be fed who needs to be checked, what lights might need to be turned on, anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I want him to be able to feel comfortable with me taking care of them. Right. Um, with a lot of his, like a lot of what he has, a lot of them don't need a lot of tending to like a mm-hmm. dog or a cat would. Mm-hmm. So it's not an everyday occurrence, you know, right. just, you know, um, so that's why when he's gone for those shorter periods of time, okay, you need me to throw greens into this or this or this, you need me to you know, change the water for this. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't have him gone for a week and a half. Cause I wouldn't know what the heck to do. Right. Um, and I wouldn't want to do it to be quite honest. It would, it would, we also have two dogs, one who is super high anxiety and is a pain in our a pain in my existence. <laughs> um, so like, and two small children, it's just, life is just so different now, right. you know? So it, I don't have it. Like he'll even say to me some mornings, Hey, do you mind going down and doing blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Anthony, I will try. Like, yeah, <laughs> I am not going to make a promise. I always end up doing it, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just, whatever he needs me to do, as long as he's compromising with me somehow too, that's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest, that has been the biggest thing for us is like that compromise. I think that has made a huge difference in our lives. Like to not be selfish, to go away for us, from us for a week. Like he had asked last year to go to Asia and I'm like, I'm sorry. No, like you travel for work all the time. And I know people are listening and they're like, what a, what a bitch or whatever. But like, you know, I always say like right now with our kids at this age, it's just mm-hmm. not the right time. And yeah. Asia's will still be there. And so a lot of his is like that fear of missing out. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to get this opportunity again. I ha- constantly have to remind him you'll get the opportunity again. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to say no. So he's been very mindful and, and respectful of that stuff too. Um, so today I want to tell you about a really incredible herpetologist. I think you'll find this story really interesting because she's just, even if you're not into reptiles, she just has a very fascinating life. Her name is Joan 
Beauchamp Proctor, and she was born on August 5th, 1897, and she passed away on September 20th, 1931. So this was really at the beginning of when women were starting to work with animals more and then also starting to work with them professionally. So this is, uh, she's one of the first curators of the reptile house for the London Zoo, I believe. So she is from London. She was born to a well-educated family. Um, Her dad was a stockbroker and her mom was an artist. And her family also had an interest in biology and geology um, because her grandfather used to do that. So when she was growing up, she was really interested in how science and art interacted, which really led to a career kind of following both. And then as, as young as the age of 10 years old, she had her first pet reptile, which is very interesting because at that time, you know, that's not really (laughs) something for girls to do. And it's also, you know, I didn't even know seven. I didn't even know men kept reptiles at that time. (laughs) It was, um, it's just interesting. It says they had, she had a large Dalmatian lizard, which I'm going to be frank. I, um, it's like a Dalmatian wall lizard, which isn't a species I actually know of. Um, I think it was a British, uh, lizard species that they said she would carry it around with her and it would sit next to her at the dinner table. So she obviously always had like a really close attraction to this animal. Um, And one of the biggest things that's important to note about her growing up is she was chronically ill. So she was very sick her entire life with gastrointestinal issues. Um, And so she spent a lot of time, you know, by herself with her animals. Um, And then also like she spent a lot of time out in nature when she was kind of like free of her disease that would plague her the rest of their life. So I think this is great. So she really got interested in reptiles when she went to an all girls school, (laughs) which is just (laughs) awesome. Cause I'm like, heck yeah, crush those gender norms. But she, um, so she had her Dalmatian lizard and then when she turned 16 years old, (laughs) her next pet reptile was a crocodile. Yeah. So she's kind of like a little crazy. So she got a pet crocodile that she would take with her to school (laughs) And she um, would bring to all of her classes, uh, which obviously you can't do nowadays. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so she was a very good student, um, but her failing health ultimately kept her from pursuing higher education. So though she wanted to go to Cambridge University, she was unable to do so. Luckily, her interest in reptiles as a whole and animals specifically allowed her to get the uh, excuse me to get some interest from George Albert Bollinger. Bollinger? No one's going to tell me I'm wrong. Um, and he was the reptile keeper at the British Museum of Natural History, and he encouraged her to look into pursuing a career with reptiles. So in 1916, at the age of 18 years old, she became his assistant and worked at the museum as a volunteer. So by this way, she was able to participate in zoology and like learning about these animals without actually having the education because she was unable to attend school. And then by the time she was 19 years old, she did her first scientific paper on the variations of Central and South American species of pit vipers to the Zoological Society of London. 
this is really great because once again, she wasn't really an educated person, but she was able to start writing these papers, doing this research and getting a good platform, which ultimately led to her being elective as a fellow of the Zoological Society of London, which is awesome. Because once again, as as a woman and then as someone who didn't have great education, when her mentor, uh, George, retired in 1920, uh, Joan took sole charge of the reptiles at the museum and finally became paid for what she was doing. So all the time beforehand, she was a volunteer. And between 1917 and 1923, she conducted her research and wrote a plethora of scientific studies on anatomy, classification, and habits of reptiles and amphibians. Um, The most notable, which I think is very relevant for you, is a study on East African tortoises and how they are able to conceal themselves in rock crevices because they have a flexible carapace. Carapace? Mm -hmm carapace yeah yeah you know that word (laughs) and uh this was a very exciting study and it got her a lot of renown um along along the around the world and um she got asked to help critique different works on um other animals so for example this gentleman Paul Kammerer had a controversial work put out about um, some toads and Proctor because of her experience um, working with these animals and, and with all the studies she'd been done had was asked to critique his work and and kind of verify whether or not they thought it was true. So after yeah. all of this, she became a fellow of the Linnaean Society of London. Um, And this was in recognition of her taxonomic work. And she also became a member of the Bombay Natural History Society. So she had a lot going on. And at this point, I believe she was just 26 years old. So she was very young and very, very um, accomplished, which unfortunately she did not have a very long life. So it, it makes a lot of sense that she was able to accomplish so much so young. Going back to when she was growing up, she was really interested in the arts, and this is something that she started to bring into her work with the museum. So she would make models for the display cases, and she would have um, scientifically accurate paintings of amphibians and reptiles that were then reproduced into postcards. With her membership in the Zoological Society, people took attention to her artistic and technical abilities. And she got a friendship with Edward Bullinger, which, who was George Bullinger, her original mentor's son. And he was the curator of reptiles for the Zoological Society of London since 1911. So in 1923, he had, uh, he had responsibility for developing the new aquarium at the London Zoo. And although Proctor still technically worked for the British Museum of Natural History, She assisted for many months putting scale models of the new aquarium tanks together and applying her artistry for designing the backgrounds and the actual scape of the aquarium, um, of the aquarium exhibits, which is great because I think she at this point was getting recognition not only from the society that she was in, but also others in the area. She eventually... um, Sorry. So she eventually took over the role of the curator of reptiles after Edward was promoted to the director of the aquarium. And so Joan was able to transfer full time over to the um, Zoological Society of London. 
at this point, the Zoological Society of London, this is where she really got into what she's known for. Um, so she was very uh, active in advancing husbandry. So kind of what we talked about, but husbandry at the time was like very different than what we know it now. Um, but she's known for pioneering this use of what she calls Vita glass, which was a specific type of glass that let in natural light into the enclosures so that animals could get UV exposure, That's which so is crazy. So crazy, right? Like I, mm-hmm. how do we even know about that? Yes. <laughs> um, so that was something she was really passionate about. And she ended up um, having like a lot of other sophisticated features in her environment, in her enclosures about how air circulation and heating, and then obviously the use of UV light that led her to some renown in how her animals were kept. At the Zoological Society of London, she also used her art skills to help design the main gate, which is still um, in place there today. Gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So her physically her legend lives on and then also she had a few taxonomical um excuse me taxonomic uh names uh, after her that we'll get into in a bit but one of the things that joan is very very known for is her work with more dangerous species so her first uh one of her first pet reptiles was a crocodile but as she started working with the zoological society of london and the reptile house at the london zoo she was one of the first people to work with Komodo dragons in Europe. So that's kind of like a big deal. Yeah. I <laughs> so, would say so. Um, not only was she one of the first people to work with Komodo dragons at the London Zoo, she's also very uh, well renowned for her relationship that she built with these animals. Um, in a sense, taming them. And she would frequently walk around the zoo with one of the larger of the two animals named Simbawa as her pet. And she would steer it around the zoo by holding its tail. And yeah, so she, mind blown. Right. So (laughs) this was, um, she's quoted by saying that they could no doubt kill one if they wished or give a terrible bite, but good fair, but good care feeding and routine handling resulted in dragons as tame as dogs and even seemed to show affection. So she was really able to work with these animals to the point that she would allow children and um, other people to interact with them, which is obviously not something we would do nowadays, but so what um, kind of at that point, what, rep, what reptile was that? That's the Komodo dragon. Oh, the Komodo dragon. Okay. Yeah. So this is obviously not something we do nowadays, but it shows really her mastery over the animal and how she really had a very good understanding of their care requirements to keep them tame enough to be able to do this. So not only was she incredibly talented in her art, in her taxonomic research and her work with the Komodo dragons, but she also became, um, a expert of treating sick, sick animals and identifying diseases, um, and specifically helping with the veterinary procedures, on the Komodo dragons. Wow. So she was super before her time. So just a few of her international uh, recognitions include, she was the first female curator of reptiles at the London Zoo. She had a pet chimpanzee called Johnny that was uh, famous in her town called St. Mark's Square. She is, um, she kept several animals, excuse me, several live reptiles in her drawing room, including dangerous snakes, and is an image of 
an unusually interested woman who was very interested in exotics and dangerous animals. And she was popular in the press on both uh, Britain and the U.S. She wrote um, an incredible book and she was published widely in different scientific journals. And she wrote um, popular accounts in a book called Wonders of Animal Life. And she was internationally recognized as a legal, as a leading herpetologist. And on March 28th, 1931, she was awarded an honorary doctorate of science at the university of Chicago. So even though she wasn't able to um, get her degree, she was able to, you know, get her honorary degree there. So unfortunately, like we mentioned, so she did have chronic health issues throughout her whole life, which um, eventually did lead to her death. Um, She was only able to work at the London Zoo for five years because her serious illness prevented um, further work. So she told them that she was going to be giving in her, uh, her resignation, but the president of the Zoological Society at that point refused to accept her resignation. And they involved her in planning new zoological parks that were being developed so she could still be in the organization and still be at, uh, helping these zoos, but it wouldn't be as strenuous on her body. Why are you doing this to me right now? I know. Right. Isn't it just like a great story? Like, like it's just, such a, it's such a, oh, like about to start crying over here. I, it's, it's one of those stories. that's like so refreshing. I feel like I'm hear. reading like a Nicholas Sparks book right now. Like <laughs> there's, I don't know where this is going. It's just, it's so refreshing to hear because a lot of women in herpetology, especially at this time were demeaned by the men yeah. in the field. And she was very much uplifted. Um, so even into her final years, she was still involved, um, with large, potentially dangerous animals. Um, one story being how she had a close encounter with a brown bear that had escaped, um, in the zoo and she lured it into a bathroom with honey and then shut the door behind it and was able to capture it that way. Um, And even at the end of her life, when she could only get around the zoo by wheelchair, she often had her Komodo dragon by her side. So she unfortunately did pass away at the age of 34. Um, So her life and the achievements that she could have had, obviously, like we weren't able to to get that much out of her. There could have been so much more she could have done. But um, she's recognized by a large sculpture of her um, in the reptile house. and it was presented to the Zoological Society, and it's displayed with a commemorative bronze plaque um, at the entrance of the Reptile House of the London That's Zoo. So nice. um, and she, in 2014, the Zoological Society of London celebrated her achievements um, and published a picture of Joan Proctor and one of her Komodo dragons on its website for International Women's Day. And then there are two species of animals that have been named in her honor. The first one being Bahoma Proctorae, which is a snake, and then the uh, the tortoise Testuda Proctorae, and that's the story of Joan Proctor. I'm so excited! Every week, um, my daughter, I make her. I don't, well, yeah, I make her study like a famous female. We have like a book. Oh yeah. All, like for all different reasons. So there's been like Gloria Steinman mm-hmm. or um, Hillary Clinton or mm-hmm. 
Um, we've done Jane Goodall. So this is really exciting. I'm, I want to have her do some research on her and learn about her. I love yeah. that. There's a bunch of female scientists that have really incredible stories and, and I like getting the opportunity to share it with, um, other people. And I, I thought it was fitting to share it with you. Um, there's, can I tell you why there's so many reasons that was fitting? Yeah, please. Um, I didn't know where you were going with it. I thought like you were <laughs> going to somehow tie it into my life. No, I, was like, I, just, where? I just thought it was a nice story. <laughs> so Anthony has a degree in art mm-hmm. and he had posted probably like around Christmas time, how he had painted this picture of a tortoise and I wouldn't let him hang it in the house. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it created this whole controversy on Facebook <laughs> because number one, I don't have Facebook. So I'm like, well, now I just look like a jerk off because I'm mm-hmm. like this mean wife who doesn't let you hang things in the house. <laughs> I'm like, um, and then like one of our friends had like commented like as a joke and then everyone started to attack her. So she was all upset. And I'm like, why did you post this thing? So like, mm-hmm. I'm, I thought maybe you were tying in the art that no, I didn't even think of that. I remember that though. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, did Anthony tell her like when my anxiety is bad, I get bad stomach aches. Like, is she going <laughs> there with that? I'm like, where is this heading? That's so right funny. Now? No, I didn't. I just, this, uh, I'll give credit where credit is due. So Randy Yaw of Colossal Constrictors is the the woman who sent me her story. Um, I love it. And she did a lot of the research for me. So thank you, Randy. That was like so incredibly kind. That That was so beautiful. I think it's, I think it's just a great story. And I, I like when I have the opportunity to share, um, a biography because, um, my goal with the podcast is that I want it to be as easy for people to name their, the top five women in her herping that they look up to as easily as they name the top five men. Um, and I think like st- sharing these stories and highlighting what women have done for the hobby, um, even as far back as the early 1900s is so wild. incredibly important. Yeah. It was wonderful. I'm so Thank happy you, you shared that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you sitting through it and the minor pause we had to take. So I got my, all my no- notes organized. Um, <laughs> but if anyone wants to read more about her, so that was Joan Proctor. Um, and I will... I think I, you know, I'll, I'll post the links to where you can find information. I should do that. So people can learn more themselves. That'd be great. I'm so excited to have my daughter do some research on it. Yeah. And I didn't even curse during that part. So she can listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry about it. You did. You haven't cursed at all. I don't think I don't remember hearing you curse. Oh, nice. My mom's going to love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Shannon, that is, we're kind of reaching our time. I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Um, oh my gosh, me too. I really appreciate, you know, you, you coming and chatting with me. Cause I know it's a little out of the ordinary for what you normally do. So thank you so much. Um, thank you. I know you don't have Facebook, but if people want to get in touch with you, um, the totally devoted podcast, do you have any other social media or podcasts? You um, want I to do have promote? an Instagram. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, not that I'm promoting it, but if someone had like a you know, if someone had like a question or mm-hmm. wanted a relationship advice, I'd be happy. Yeah, to, absolutely. Um, What's your Instagram? So it's C A M L U C. Okay. 2000. I'm actually going to check that. Yeah. 2014. Okay. So I'm always open. I know I always think about it with totally devoted. I'd love to hear, um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's a really interesting thing to talk to people who like don't get it or, mm-hmm. you know, um, cause it's been 10, it's been over 10 years and 
it took me a while to get it, but I get it now. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and I'm awesome. still learning. I'm still that's, learning. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and then because I feel like we should, can you tell me where people can find information about what Anthony does as well? Yeah. I mean, so everything, I believe it's the turtle room dot org. I believe mm-hmm. it's org. Um, okay. they have their own Instagram as well. Um, they, they do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really good organization. Um, so I'd love to talk about them. I'd love to mention Chris Leone with garden state tortoise. He's mm-hmm. really phenomenal. And then also, uh, Randy Betts, um, who always promotes helix, the tortoise, mm-hmm. um, with, he has his company Torque Stork and all of those places are such, I think that the key is educating people. And that's why I love doing, I'm sorry, I'm totally going off. off no, right now. I, I don't care. Go ahead. Um, I, that's why I love doing the educational talks for the kids, because mm-hmm. I think it's so important for people to know, like the importance of not potentially getting a readier slider or, right. you know, the difference between a turtle and a tortoise. And what does that mean? If you want to have one of those as your pet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that people like Chris and Randy are educated. They're good people. They're not going to, you know, we've been at Chris's house and he's been mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm talking to a mom about a kid who wants a tortoise. So mm-hmm. I think it's super important, like to reach out to the people like the turtle room and say, Hey, my kid really wants a turtle and I don't know where to start instead Mm -hmm. of going to, um, and nothing against pet stores, but, um, again, it's a business, so you're not going to necessarily get the most honest point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love, I love that part of the turtle and tortoise world is like the education part for the, like the younger kids, Mm -hmm. um, or I'm going to be doing another turtle talk this week for an elementary school. And I just think it's super important to get them educated. Just like we talked about educating about snakes, Mm -hmm. you know, all snakes aren't bad, you know? So people like me, my whole life, who have been told snakes are bad. They bite, they're venomous, you know, like, I think it's important. I think it's Mm -hmm. important to educate the younger kids today to be able to make these, these animals have a tomorrow. Really. It's, it's super important. So I, um, I would recommend checking out all those places. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll link them in, in the description. Um, yeah. and I also just want to give a, a quick plug for the turtle room. I know you have, uh, there's a lot of, uh, awesome women on the, uh, on, or in that organization, mm-hmm. which is also great to see. There's a lot of, um, representation there. Definitely. So. Hopefully I'll get to talk to some of them soon. I have to talk to Anthony, but uh, (laughs) you should try Casey. She's, she does the, um, the Terrapin uh, project Mm -hmm. down in New Jersey and, um, she's just wonderful and she's so well-educated. She's worked at a zoo before and, Mm -hmm. um, she's just great. I can't say enough nice things about her. Yeah. I'll definitely connect with her. So Shannon, thank you so much for being on. It was such a pleasure (laughs) to speak with you. Oh, I hope the like listeners like it. Cause I know it's not like really, I'm not really a reptile person. So I hope somebody gets something out of this. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, you have a perspective that's as important as your husband's because you're in it together, you know, and just cause you don't have necessarily the same passion for the animal as much. It's, it's so nice to hear your perspective. And I think it can, uh, be a good, you know, I don't want to say lesson, but like, it's a good learning opportunity for people who maybe are the spouse who's really into the reptiles to like, take a step back and recognize, you know, things that they can be doing to bring their partners in more. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, 
I learn every week uh, something new and we, we have to, like I said, we negotiate and um, it's just, it's also, you could find a really introverted significant other like myself who doesn't mm-hmm. have any hobbies yeah. and <laughs> then you don't have to compete with hobbies. Like, yeah. it's just like, you, you only just, need one garage. <laughs> that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. I don't have cars. I don't have bikes. I barely work out. Uh, so <laughs> I've got nothing going. So if you find someone like that, that's then- perfect. I'm going to put that in my Tinder bio, looking for someone with no interests. Yeah, no. <laughs> doesn't like get togethers, doesn't mm-hmm. like social activities. I'm your person. So perfect. well, thank you so much, Shannon. Um, and everyone should please check out the turtley devoted podcast, which I will also include so in the bio. Thank you. Thank you.